It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. Welcome in to another episode of On the Clock. I am your host, Brett Whitefield, and today we are joined by an analytical wizard. That's right. He's a he's a Jedi of the analytics. His name is Dwayne McFarland from fantasylife.com. He's the creator of the utilization report. Dwayne, how are you, my friend? Man, I am doing good. It's so awesome to be on here with you. You have some really good guests that come on this pod. Like I was looking at your history. I was like, holy crap, like you bring the hitters. So yeah, I feel honored to be here. I guess that's one benefit of working in the space for like over a decade is you you get to meet a lot of people and they want to come on your pod for some reason. So you get to yeah. join the list, Dwayne, because you, you're a heavy hitter too, my man. Well, thanks, man. I really appreciate it. Well, and I know our, our paths, we've got some similarities. We both did the PFF thing for a while. And uh, so, yeah, man, a lot of respect for your work as well. Heck yeah, man. And I, I did refer to, to Dwayne as a Jedi because we just watched the Ahsoka Tano trailer um, in the pre-show meeting that we had. So, <laughs> cause it just came out and I'm very excited. I'm a huge star Wars geek. So, um, but for, for all intents and purposes, Dwayne is a wizard though. So <laughs> yeah, I like the Jedi. We'll go with Jedi. <laughs> all right, we'll Jedi. Jedi of the analytics. You be the Jedi. I'll be the wizard on this one. I will do that. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. So Dwayne is a, you know, he builds these models and these models are super data, data driven. And then from what I've gathered, Dwayne, you, once you do your rankings, uh, post draft, you kind of adjust for some film stuff as well. So you are mixing a little bit of film in with the analytics, but for the most part, you let your model speak for itself. No. Yeah, I do because I just trust the data and my work on that side more than my capabilities as someone that watches film. Um, that's not to say that there aren't other people right in the industry that could do the total opposite. Right. Um, so I really do try to also look at what the scouts are saying. Um, I try to listen. Now, I try to watch the players first. Then I go back and see, and because that's also how I'm trying to work and become better, like as a film analyst, see, okay, what did I see that lined up? What did I see that maybe I didn't see the same way as someone else? I may even reach out to them, you know, and ask. And sometimes, you know, you get a response. So always just trying to figure out ways to become better. But I watch the film as I do the model. So I, I, the way I create the model is pretty simple. It's really driven by fantasy. So I'm looking at the first three years of fantasy production, average points per game. And I'm basically looking for how often they finish, right? Top 36, top 24, top 12 for receivers. For tight ends, I break it down, down into the top 12. So it's it's 9 to 12, then your next three, your next three, and, your, and then your top three finishes is how I do the tight ends. But essentially, I let the the correlation, right? between you know all the different metrics that i study to those first three years of production really drive everything for the model and the way that the model gets weighted and it kind of is what it is it's not perfect but i don't try to like i have in the past like sit around like well if i tweak this way this this way and this this way like do my percentiles get even better right as far as beating draft capital and things like that and what i found um is sometimes you'll just end up over tightening the model to to a variable that may be there for two years right and then it's gone again and so now I try to, I'll even back off a little bit from what it tells me exactly the way the weighting should be. Like I'll keep it a little bit looser than that, be a little more conservative. I create some overlap and some data points that are similar to one another um, just because the way that they may affect the model. So my main goal 
right, is to have a model that's really thorough. I try not to let people fall through the cracks, um, but I don't get like overly hell bent on saying, oh, my God, this is the one thing like this is the thing that matters, you know, for everyone. Now, there are I'll, I'll share with some of them with you guys as we go, like the things for each uh, position like that pop the most after draft capital. Happy to share some of that. But um, yeah, that's how I approach the model. And then as far as watching the film, you know, I'm just looking like so especially I like using the data to help lead me when I watch the film as well. Right. So there's certain things I'm going to be looking for. If I know certain elements of a player's game really drove them up in the model, well, then I really want to be looking for those things on film where they did. They happen to be running wide open on those plays because of busted coverage. And if I see something like that, I'll put that in the notes um, for the player write ups for the tiers. Oh, I'm feeling shots fired for Jalen Hyatt already. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Lots of stack formations for Jalen, even when he was on the outside. Like if you go watch the game against Kentucky, like he had two plays where basically like his cornerback just got lost on the stack formation. There were three plays like that in the season. Um, now, what I will say for Jalen is once you make a mistake with him, like it's over, like he's gone, like you're not you're not catching up. So that's still Jalen. So and I want your thoughts here because you watch a lot of film. So yeah. Jalen's a really interesting one to start with, because when you watch him and he plays against, you know, the SEC he is really getting over the top of some of the best players in the league. Now, the team did everything they could to give him free releases and scheme him up all day long. Kept him in the slot. His He was off the ball almost all the time. I mean, over 90% of the time, I think he lined up off ball. 88% of his career in the slot. So they didn't put him on the line of scrimmage. So our sample size is pretty small. Like, can he beat any sort of physical press coverage? We're not sure. Like, when I watched him do it and the data, it's a small sample. It wasn't terrible. Like, he was okay at it. But you don't know. Did the team do that because he can't win that way or just because, you know what, he's the best player on our team. We're just going to scheme him up. You don't always know. Yeah, the speed is so special. I mean, it's I call this FU play calling. It's like, <laughs> we're, we're yeah, call their scheme is funny. You know, this play is called, but it doesn't matter because you can't stop it. And and that was true. I mean, he he absolutely roasted Alabama and a lot. Some of it was scheme, but some of it is just, you know, it's the F. I've never seen such wide splits like they're they're like lined up on the damn sideline out there with that stack formation with him and Tillman. Uh, and Tillman was a big part of him getting open, by the way. Yeah, they'll literally go like a straight up bunch outside the numbers. And in college yeah. football, there is from the center point of the numbers, there's eight yards between the center point yeah. of the and the sideline. And they'll have three <laughs> receivers out that wide. Yeah, it's like, so, I mean, we're either going straight or we're breaking in, but it, hey, it worked for them. So when I, when I watch a guy like Jalen Hyatt, Dwayne, I, I'm looking for, is there anything translatable to his game to the NFL other than just pure speed? Mm -hmm. And what I see from him is like really, really good start stop ability, really good change of direction skills um, and that explosive first step. So that tells me he has all the tools he needs to be a functioning route runner. Now, unfortunately, we don't have tape to see how good he is at playing through contact, how good yeah. he is at absorbing that, getting off of, of tight coverage at the top of his stem, shaking that loose. Those are things that are gonna be, he is going to have a developmental runway for sure. But I still like the guy because the physical traits are out of this world and he produced at such a high level. It's like we can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. We realize that a lot of that was manufactured production. But Dude, 1,085 yards and 13 touchdowns were on plays with a step or more of separation. Yes. Last year. It's insane, man. Three, 337 yep. of his 387 routes were aligned off of the line of scrimmage. So it is hard. It's crazy. And you know what's even crazier? He's, I mean, he's faster than he tested. Oh, I, yeah. I want to know that. Yeah, when I saw people complaining about the, the 40 time, the 4-4, four, four, 
I didn't, I was not worried at all because I had already watched him and I was like, dude, yeah. d- just go watch. I mean, he's just toasting SEC players and it's not all free releases. There are times when he, a guy has perfect responsibility and is set up and Jalen just blows by him and they're good players. So I'm not worried about that. He's definitely faster than that four, four. Yeah. And the, his high school track record speaks yeah. well, college track record even too early in his career. And then um, Zebra Technologies has put out, he hit 22 plus miles an hour several times last year, which go look at uh, and the NFL. List, yeah. You've got what, four, not even four guys that hit that mark. So he'll be a top. Who's your, who's your comp? Will Fuller. Okay. I had Will, Will Fuller in there too. Uh, Lance Zerline had Deshaun Jackson, which I see. I just, you know, it's tough when you get to praise like that because Deshaun played for so long and was such a difference maker, um, you know, for multiple teams. But Will Fuller actually was a name that I wrote that I, I said that Hayek comes to mind the most when I watch yeah. you know, Hyatt play. I yeah, Hyatt can catch though is the the difference there. Like <laughs> a liability. It's yeah. funny. I've seen some people like really busting on Hyatt. Uh, God, what was the? There was a game where they played him with a ton of off cover. He had one really bad game where he had several drops. It didn't show up like in every game. I can't remember now who it was. And they actually shut him down. They played a ton of off coverage on him. I can't remember who it was, but. The model itself gave him a range of James Washington to Christian Watson. Like when I watch him and then add like, you know, what I'm seeing on film, I go Will Fuller. The other thing I'll say about the model is I'm only going back to the 2017 class, which is the other reason I don't over tighten in this one, because like my goal has been there's so many really good models that are already out there. Like Scott Barrett does a great one for you Mm -hmm. guys. JJ Zacharyson has an amazing model that has really good hit rates. And so one thing that I was looking to do is try to use you know, really the advanced data that we have. And I know Scott's doing this as well. Um, And I'm really trying to lean into that more than like anything with the combine or things like that. So like explosive playmaking really matters to me, you know, now it's not perfect because I'm taking your explosive target rate. Well, if your quarterback is bad, that's going to, that's going to impact your explosive target rate. So just like a 40 time, you know, is not, I'd, I'd much rather, I will say this, this has way more signal in the model than a 40 time or even a speed score. So I still like it better, but it's not perfect. So trying to piece the things together, right? Um, so explosive play rate's really big, but there's two components of that, right? Can you attack downfield? So part of that's your average depth of target, which we've seen really wide receivers and tight ends typically own that. Sometimes you'll see a little more variance in college or when they make the transition to the NFL. But then the other component is yards after the catch, right? Um, which brings me like to another guy. I really am curious with you, like this Quentin Johnston, because like he has this rare, yes, he can stretch the field, there are some issues there, but like after the catch, like that little spin move he has, and he's so thick down low, like the first tackler on those hitch routes, the slant routes, when he reverses out of it, like you don't see a lot of guys that can do both of those things. Now he has work to do in both of those areas, but like the raw ability, like looks really good for Quentin Johnston. Yeah. J- Johnson is still my wide receiver one. Okay. He's a guy I, I really, really like. He, I mean, his physical traits are special. Um, you don't see guys his size with the ankle flexibility, the hip sync that he has. So I think he has the traits to be a, like an elite level route runner at the NFL level. Now he doesn't play really to his size at the catch point. Some of that was Max Duggan. Max was not on target very often and, and put QJ in some, some really awkward spots. But ultimately I think, you know, QJ reminds me a lot of Christian Watson, the guy you already invoked. Um, he does have that yards after catchability and he's going to, I just think he's a really good playmaker and his ceiling is so high to me because of the things he can do with his body at his size. I don't think it's fair to the NFL if he develops. <laughs> My yeah, I agree. Hands. Um, career average depth of target of 15.6. And just to like give some context. So like I, when I look at average depth of target 
and I look at yards after the catch. Like they really typically as your a dot goes up, your yards after the catch comes down, right? A lot of things change like the, your, your, your catch rate's going to go down as your a dot goes up, your contested catch rate goes up as your a dot goes up. And it makes sense, right? You're to, if you're going deeper down the field, you're dealing with, especially against a lot of zone coverages, you're going to be dealing with a cornerback plus a safety by the time the ball gets there. But what was really interesting for me with Quentin Johnston was the fact that, you know, even though he had a plus 14 average depth of target, the average, right, over the last, since 2014 is 4.9 yards after the catch for wide receivers with that kind of average depth of target. And they had to have at least, uh, you know, 100 uh uh, sorry, 250 routes to get to this, but 8.3 was the yards after the catch for Johnston on his career. So almost, you know, doubling, not quite doubling, but, you know, 3.4 yards above, you know, what the average is. So, I mean, like, there's just, it's rare to see someone that can do both of those things. And so I do. And the other thing I would ask you is like, I hear a lot of people, well, he plays small, he body catches. And I'm like, you know, I used to really get hung up on body catching. But like the longer I've watched film, like I'd rather a guy be able to pluck it in front of them all the time. I think that's I think it is a plus. But for a big guy like him, like and I grew up watching Michael Irvin, like I grew up watching, you know, the Cowboys. You know, my dad was a huge Cowboy fan. And um, like Michael Irvin caught body caught a ton of stuff like on hitch routes, slant routes. And that's mostly where I see Johnston doing that. And he's big. He's boxing out the defender. Um, and it doesn't seem he does have some focus drops, but like his overall drop rate was not bad, especially again for his average depth of target. Yeah. When you, when you scout him from a technique standpoint, like he does greet the football awkwardly. He does clap mm-hmm. at a lot of footballs. I think a lot of people, yeah, that's what Matt Waldman told me, Matt Waldman. I asked him about Quentin Johnston and he's, he, he, t- he said he called him a clapper. Yeah, <laughs> so he, you guys are on the same page. He was on the pod Wednesday. So we, we talked all about that, but a couple guys that, greet the football similarly to QJ are Terry McLaurin and Mark Andrews. And obviously it hasn't stopped them from having success. Deontay Johnson's in there too. Um, he's a little bit of a body catcher, a little bit of a clapper. Um, I am not a, uh, a drops Nazi, so to speak. Like I, it it's doesn't bother me that much. Cause yeah. it's like the difference between a guy who drops a lot of passes and doesn't is like four plays a year. Like, honestly. Yeah. It's like, I'm with you. Yeah, so like if it's really really bad, yeah, it's going to hurt your score in my in my uh, my numeric scoring system, but it's not going to crush you. And so I, I'm not super worried about it with him. Um, and I think some of it's simple fixes too, right? It's, it's not. Uh, I, yeah, I don't think he's seeing the yeah. ball. He has he has great ball tracking skills, great ball skills. Yeah, he's not so, Stephen Hill. I remember back in the day scouting Stephen Hill, and I really was worried about his drops because I would just see him always struggle to locate the ball. Like when he would turn around, like his eyes, like they would be so huge. And he's like, where is it? And like the, it'd be like in his face mask, you know, yeah. I, I'm with you. I didn't see that with Quentin Johnston. Yeah. Let me ask you a question about your model. Do you, how do you yeah. adjust for level of competition? Cause this is the big. Yeah. Debate. Yeah. So power five, and that's something that I want to tighten down. So I just reworked the whole thing this year and having the kind of data that I really want. So I'll be honest, like right now, it's more of a manual adjustment. I'm just I'm I'm taking all the guys that didn't play against a lot of the power five and I just auto am auto adjusting them down. Um, but it's not based on like, hey, this great big study that I did about what should a power five guy look like. Now, you've done this long enough and I've done it long enough. I know when I'm looking at an F- FCS yards per route run and it's like a five, like I've seen it a lot. Like you, you don't see it when you're looking at guys that play the power five. So, you know, it's there. 
But as far as like how much to adjust it down, that's one of my goals for the model next year is like to just actually make that more precise. And so uh, we've got someone on our team um, that's going to help me with that, like with actually digging into these models next year, even more from like a mathematical perspective. But yeah, I just I adjust it down. So right now, like and it depends. Basically, I'm taking 10 percent off um, of their final score. So if you came out as a 78, right, 78th percentile, I'm taking 7.8 off of your score for being, you know, someone that never really played against power five. So like that hurts Tucker craft guys like that. Uh, Nathaniel Dell, um, all those types of guys that didn't have many snaps against power five. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. So like Christian Watson's a good example of a guy I was higher on than everybody last year. Um, I had a first round grade on him. I think I was the first person to give him a top 50 grade even in, all like all my analytical friends thought I was crazy. Like, you know, yeah. Well, and that's why you have to, you really do have to be careful with it. I liked Christian Watson as well. Um, I think it sounds like, you know, film better than I do, but when I watched him, what I could get my hands on, like Christian Watson, it was tougher. There wasn't as much film, but yeah, I, I did like him. Um, and I loved his, I loved the landing spot. I loved when he went to green Bay just with what they had going on. So yeah, I do think you have to be careful. Um, and so I, I'll probably need to talk to you more in uh, next off season. Like what are the things that you think are most translatable, that kind of thing. Like when we're watching these uh, guys that come from the smaller schools, um, that's something that I talk a lot to Matt Waldman about too. Yeah, for sure. Matt's a great guy to talk about that. His process is very similar to mine, actually very um, criteria driven. And then, mm-hmm. you know, that's why split. I love his is I can yeah. see everything that came to a grade, you know, on yep. a player. Most, most of these scouts don't give you any of that. You know, and you just get blurb sound bites. Not saying they don't do the work, but you don't get to see it. You get to see all of Matt's. So yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, for receivers, I have like nine nine traits that I score them on, you know, functionality and then also repeatability. So Okay. um, But yeah. What about uh so we talked QJ, we talked Hyatt. who are some other guys that your your model give me your top five if you don't mind. Yeah, I don't mind. Um so JSN is number one. He came out ninetieth percentile. Um, in the model, which is a really good score. Now, this is that the ones, the scores I'm giving you right now are also, I'm using expected draft capital as well. So I've went ahead and included that based on the latest mock stuff. So I use grinding the mocks uh, for the top guys. And then I use, uh, you know, mock draft database, you know, as well for some of these guys that aren't over on grinding the mocks. And then, um, yeah, so JSN's at the top. I'm sure you've talked about him a ton. Uh, I have QJ number two. I've got Jordan Addison out of USC, formerly Pitt, at number three. Jalen Hyatt is now that ends tier one for me. Okay. Uh, you could technically separate JSN into his own tier. I have them all three in one tier. JSN's a 90th percentile, and I've got uh, Addison and Quentin Johnson are both at the 87th percentile you know, in the model. So, and over 85%, and my model is really good. Um, so, uh, Jalen Hyatt is the beginning of tier two. Then I have Zay Flowers, and then I've got Josh Downs, and I've got Marvin Mims as wide receiver seven. Mims is the guy that actually popped the most uh, in the model. So despite having expected third-round draft capital, he's still grading out in Tier 2. Draft capital is the number one factor, right? I mean, it's just proven. It's the thing that's going to matter the most when you're talking about fantasy points, and there's a lot of reasons for that. Part of it is like the NFL does they know what they're doing a decent amount of the time. But the other part is once you get the draft capital, you know, you get a, you get more chances. You get more chances to prove yourself um, and move forward. But with Mims, 
um, he's a guy that in the model, when you remove draft capital, like he he's borderline tier one um, mm-hmm. now. So he's a guy I spent a lot of time watching. So I'm very curious to hear what your thoughts are on him. But the things that made him really pop in the model, he did show that he could stretch the field. Um, so his explosive play rate is really high. But then when I watch him, like the speed is good, but it's not like tantalizing. Like, and a lot of his production came on like deep crossers where he was basically cut loose in the secondary. So that worried me a little bit with him versus a lot of the vertical stuff, a lot of um, acrobatic catches. Like he made some really, he made some fantastic catches uh, for sure. Uh, Like some great body adjustment, that kind of stuff. But I do worry a little bit, like at the next level, will he really be able to stretch the defense out like he did um, at Oklahoma, if he can't play something more like a slot where he can work those deep crossers, stuff more horizontal, deep stuff versus just true vertical route tree, like, you know, goes and things like that. But my model, the three comps I had, um, Christian Kirk, then with DJ Chark would really be the second. And then the final would be Diami Brown. We're still kind of early in his career, but hasn't worked out so far with the commanders. Yeah. I, I'm a big Marvin Mims guy. He, I think he scored at uh, as my sixth best receiver in this class. Okay, nice. Well, you're making me feel good. He's right there. I know Scott loves him too, so that made me feel good. If you yeah, both I, of you guys are on board, that makes me feel better. <laughs> Scott's on the pod next week, and I don't want to do. I don't want to spoiler his model, but I know he has Mims even higher than both of us. Um, I, I love what I see on tape for Mims. I, I do think the expected draft capital thing is interesting because I think he's a guy who's going to get drafted higher than the community says he's going to get drafted. Well, if he gets a second round pick, like to give you like, because I did put expected in the model, like if he gets a second round pick, even with second round capital, he'll be borderline on that tier one that I talked about. Like he would come in, like if I gave him a high second round pick, like if I put it in the model right now, he comes out 84th percentile. So 85th is my cutoff. So yeah. I'll make you a deal. If, If he doesn't go in the second round, I will drink a beer out of my shoe. Oh man. Okay. I'll take it. You don't have to, do I have to do anything in return? Like you're just offering to do this. This is how confident I am. The NFL is going to see him the same way I do. Well, I hope so. I I don't know why they wouldn't, to be honest, like looking at his profile, I really don't get it. Like, um, again, I honestly, I was hunting for things on film because I'm like, why is there a third round grade on this guy? I just, I, I couldn't come to terms with it. Yeah. It's, it's, um, some of it is fatigue, draft fatigue, so like he's been touted as this amazing player since he was in high school. He broke every Texas high school record there is. Yep. Five-star guy, goes Oklahoma, you know, plays quarterback musical chairs his entire career, leads them in receiving three years in a row. It's just, I think it's fatigue for a lot of people. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, he, as a freshman, like he had a great year. Um, yes. You know, I, I know a lot of the dynasty communities like, well, he never got to the 30th percentile dominator like that's not a hard and fast rule for me everything's on a scale like i do care like and they get points for that for hitting a breakout age over that 30th percentile but everything still is really on a scale so i I wasn't that concerned about that like he's had a he's he's handled over 30 percent of their touchdowns and 30 percent of their yards in separate seasons um i think there's a lot to lie i didn't think his underneath game was that great like he has the speed to beat angles and things but it's not going to break a lot of tackles doesn't juke a lot of people i don't see a ton of missed tackle ability i see an ability like if he catches it with a little bit of speed already going like he definitely has the speed to take away angles and things like that and create big plays um but i didn't think like he was like he didn't like wow me on the underneath route stuff yeah um i could see that i think he he is a really nice uh jump cut move that could help him at the next level he didn't get to use a lot of um but yeah he's a he's an angle eroder for sure that's his game in the open field um 
I, I do think Mims is going to go ahead of Josh Downs. I'll, I'll make that bold. Statement. I think he should. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I'm i uh, I'm a little bit lower on Downs than most. Where did your model? Yeah. Uh, right now with the expected draft capital, which he's basically overcoming, he's seven, but that's with a third round uh, capital. If I put, like I said, second in there and he immediately moves to the top of this tier ahead of Jalen Hyatt, he would be my number four down. That's downs. No, 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 no. Sorry. That was Mims. Okay. Downs uh, is just one spot above Mims. He's 78th percentile. Mims is 75th percentile. Okay, but Downs has second round capital. Mims has third. Okay. Raw should... in the model, you remove, sorry, you remove, if you remove draft capital, Mims okay. is way above Downs. Okay. Cool. That, that's good then because I, I do think Mims will go ahead of Downs. But um, so what you about Kayshawn? What do you think about Kayshawn? Kayshawn? I'm out on Kayshawn. Are you? Okay um heard some things health related that are not good with the ankle and it's tough to talk about on a podcast because it's not necessarily verified information so i don't want to be speculative at all but i do i do trust most of my sources but yeah he just never that athleticism he showed as a freshman he never got that back it it like it was just not there the year after was not there this year it showed up at the combine when he basically talk about the biggest job interview of your lifetime. I would say he utterly failed that job interview. Um, I, you know, I, I think there's some definitely some smoke there and I don't, I don't necessarily love it. So, and even, even the high end of his game when he was feeling himself, I just, it was okay. It, it wasn't special to me. Yeah. He had the early breakout, obviously, like you're talking mm-hmm. about, but it, I, I agree with what you're talking about as far as, what did that look like as his career went, went on? And, you know, basically what you're hoping is that it was due to health and now he can get it back. But if there are real concerns that like, that's just gone period, then that would be bad. I did notice over the last two years, like a lot of his separation was really late in the routes, Mm. you know, like just, you know, as the ball, like is leaving the quarterback's hand, he's just finding that little bit of separation now played against a lot of really good corners too. So that was part of it. But yeah, I, I can see where you're going. I, I still feel like he has a chance. I, I agree on the combine thing, failing the combine. My model doesn't really care about the combine. Um, so that's a cool thing where Scott's will be different, you know, than mine. Um, I'm kind of on this, you know, war path of trying to figure out ways to use more of the advanced stuff to, to yeah. not need the combine. But um, yeah, I think all the things you said are legit concerns. Right on. Before we let you go, where does your model have guys that I'm high on that we don't have a ton of film for. So like a Michael Wilson from Stanford. Uh, hang on one second. Let me pull it back up. He's, he's down. Um, so again, a, a lot of the stuff that drives, you know, my model, um, you know, so yards per team pass attempt, right. Is really big for the wide receivers. The career explosive target rate is in there. Uh, you know, their breakout age is part of it. Um, so with, let's see. I have my, so where do you have, I have him 22. <laughs> you probably have him way higher than me. I have a day two grade on him. I think he's like 16 or 17 or something like that. Yeah. Age is definitely hurting him. You know, he'll be 23 and a half. So there are several guys that a lot of the scouting community likes, uh, like Cedric Tillman. Tillman comes in 12th, AT Perry's 13th. I um, you know, so those guys are getting hurt by their, by their age. So like if you, and you can go over to fantasylife.com and you can see the model we're trying to make it better, but right now it's, you know, with the, with what we have that we can use on the site, we do have it, um, uh, color coded, you know, where basically you can, you know, it's kind of like a heat map when you're looking at it and you'll, you'll start to see where the tear breaks are. You see the guys that are all blue and you see the red start to creep in, but that first got, group of guys that have the red, like 
they still have a lot of blue and all the data points like, you know, their their dominator, their target shares, all that kind of stuff. But the age, right, is creeping up. And so that's really one of the things that's on for, for me on Michael Wilson. And I'll be honest, I have not watched a lot of Michael Wilson, but now that you told me about him, I'll have to, he's a guy that I'll have to go back and watch more. Yeah. I've got, um, he passes all the vibe checks for me. I know it's, it's hard to quantify, but like when I showed up at senior bowl week, this dude was out on the field, just grinding footwork drills for Mm -hmm. an hour before practice started. Just looks incredible doing it. You know, and I know it's on air and there's nobody covering him. So he kept, like my opinion of him started to grow before I even watched the tape. But then when you turn on the tape and I saw him at senior bowl practice all week, you see like these super high level release release game that he's got. I would say he's arguably the best route runner in the class, especially from the outside, from an outside position. Uh, just phenomenal stuff. So like route, I'm a sucker for good route running. If you're a good route mm-hmm. runner, you're going to score high in my system. Um, love it. What yeah, about his, Domingo? His career average depth of target was 9.2 which is really low for wide receiver. Now that's not in the model like that, but it's just kind of, kind of context that I like to look at with the explosive target rate. Cause his explosive target rate was only 18%, um, which comes out in the 23rd percentile, right? Since 2017. So those things are hurting him in the model. But having said that we do see guys that come out that have that kind of intermediate underneath a dot that can be, target hogs the only problem is he was never really a target hog either like in college so those things are hurting him now he did he did uh hit a best dominator of 30 percent um so he did check some of the boxes so i'm for sure gonna go back and uh watch him all right who's the next one deep production is definitely not his game like maybe in the red zone you can throw him some fades and stuff but he's a short intermediate demon who's just a possession receiver He's going to live like a possession receiver. So, so do you well, like him more than Cedric Tillman? Because a lot of people like Cedric Tillman. I saw uh, Lance Zierlein mocked Cedric Tillman at the last first pick to the Chiefs in his mock this week. I, that was I interesting. saw that too. That was uh, interesting to say the least. I don't, I don't see Tillman as a round one guy, but hey. Yeah, I don't either. The model doesn't either. Um, but I was just interested if you have Wilson above Tillman because I think Tillman – Tillman has a he he has a little bit more vertical ability, but like still more of a possession receiver in my mind when I watch him. Yes, yep, and that's you got to see that contrast a little bit towards the end of the year with him and Hyatt together. Um, I thought Hyatt did a good job of clearing space, and they used Tillman in the what like Tillman beat up Keely Ringo pretty good this year. Yeah, which is a, a good testament, and all that was short intermediate stuff. I like he showed up big in big games. I will give that to Tillman. Yes. Like, <laughs> His games against Alabama were he was balling, for sure. No, I, my favorite of the big X type guys is At Perry. Okay, yep. yeah, I love Perry. He's a, I think he's like a DJ Charkish kind of clone. I know he doesn't have that that level of juice downfield, but but the A dots there, fifteen first career. Um, explosive also, target rate is a little low for that, eighteen percent. It's a twenty seventh percentile. This is since the two thousand seventeen class again. But with Perry, again, a big thing for him, like he checked a lot of boxes for me. The age thing's getting him. He'll be 23.9 when the NFL, almost 24 when the season starts for the NFL. Him and Nathaniel Dell and Charlie Jones are the, the oldest guys. Um, so it's definitely hurting them. But when I watched Perry, I kind of got it. You know, I like the DJ Chark vibe because he's a he's a although he's tall, he's he's a little more slender built like yep. a Chark. So like I can also, also see it like in his body type. I agree. Probably not as much juice, but A.T. Perry's funny. Like when you watch him, like he doesn't look like 
it doesn't yeah. look like it should be working, but it is like, is the best way I can explain it's, it. It's like he's crafty in his own way. Yeah. Sorry. What were you saying? No, those, those long striders are like that, man. Like they, yeah. it, it, they don't look fast, but they are just cause the, it, you can, he catches corners off guard too, with how quickly he gets on top of them. Uh, but he's a, he's a really good route runner for like nearly six, four. He's really high cut as well. Super long legs. Fantastic route runner which again, I'm a sucker for that. So I don't know that it'll be like a bonafide deep threat at the next level, but I think he could give you DJ Chark intermediate dominance, which that's really where Chark has made his money. I know he's been hurt the last two years, so it hasn't been great for Chark, but early in Chark's career, it looked like that's where he was going to dominate in the NFL was yeah. the inter- intermediate part of the field. And uh, I think Perry can give you similar production. So, Yep. Yep. With you on um, that one. Cool. I think that should do it. We'll wrap it up. I told you 20 minutes. We're at 32. So let's get out of here. <laughs> no, we're cool, man. Hey, I enjoy getting to hear other people talk about these guys, to be honest. So, uh, and I know that from the time you spent and, and doing the job that you do, like, I know, like, man, you grind the film. And so, like, I, I love coming on these kind of shows. So, man, I, if you'll be, if you'll have me back at some point, I'll always be glad to come back. <laughs> oh, heck yeah. We will absolutely have you back. All right, people, you can find him on Twitter at Dwayne McFarland. He's on fantasylife.com. All of his work is there. Go check out his wide receiver tight end model that are up right now. Um, I think that would be a good read for you guys. Dwayne, thank you so much. Yeah, man. Appreciate you. Have a good one. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Fantasy Points Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And come join the roster at FantasyPoints.com.